Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Good morning. This is The Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press. My name is Jason Dick, and for the second day in a row, at least the second working day in a row, uh, I am guest hosting for Bill. Uh, as we explained on Friday, Bill launched his presidential campaign on Friday, uh, and on today he will be running the Boston Marathon. We estimate <laughs> that it will only take him a couple of days. He should be back at some point uh, before the end of the year uh, from Boston. But in the meantime, we have a very good show. We have my colleague, Simone Pathé, from Roll Call to talk about some of the political stuff going on, including some stories about how your email might be actually worth something, uh, unlike what, how your own feelings about your email is. Uh, well, after the word, we'll talk to Tom Lobianco. He's the author of Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. And we will round things up with our friend Jennifer Shutt from CQ Roll Call, who will talk about money stuff. But in the meantime, we're going to do... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay. You mentioned the Boston Marathon. Yes. It's happening. It's happening uh, today. People are, people are going to run. People are going to run. I'm not a marathon guy. Not going to run a marathon. I barely run at all anymore. I can do a 5K. That's about what I got to <laughs> do. I can maybe do a 10 We're large-boned men, yeah, Peter. Yes, exactly. We are not it meant to work. run marathons. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're built for comfort, not if, for speed. If you, if you, if you look, see what Matt Adams of the Washington Nationals look like and how gigantic he is, that's yeah. kind of that's approximate size of Peter Ogburn yeah. myself. Yeah, big city Jason Dick sitting <laughs> in here uh, behind the mic. Well, I, it is the Boston Marathon Day. Uh, here's some words of advice from the mayor, Body Walsh. We will not tolerate drinking in public. We will not tolerate smoking marijuana in public. This is also a family event. There'll be a lot of kids in town and a lot of people bringing their kids in. So what they don't need is to have their kids uh, experiencing uh, an unpleasant situation. I love... This is Boston? Yeah, for for the marathon. (laughs) For for an event all about being healthy. Yes, And the mayor has to say, hey, don't drink and smoke weed. (laughs) Well, I, I hear I hear a tell that it is uh, occasionally a part of race culture to uh, pop a few cold ones, even oh, during the race. Yeah, it's happened before. Uh, but you know how it goes in Boston. It's not just the marathon. They have the Patriot Day. This is a whole big celebration up right. there. 
there's going to be some marijuana being smoked and some beers being uh, I don't know. Consumed. Maybe they could just hang out and talk about, like, tax policy, you know, yeah. Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure that's definitely going to happen. That'll definitely happen, kid. Uh, okay, so uh, it's Monday. We usually take a look at the box office on Monday mornings. How did everything do? Hellboy opened up this weekend. Didn't do very well. Poorly. Third place. It only brought in $12 million. Number one, still another comic book movie, Shazam. Mm. Still second weekend in a row that it is number one. Pulled in $25 million in its second weekend. Uh, so it, the last month or so has been a rotating number one. Yeah. Shazam actually has showed some staying power uh, on the top. Lightning strikes thrice. Oh, oh, I like that. Yes. Very, yes, I like that. Very nice. Uh, how about Tiger, 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 Tiger Woods, y'all? <laughs> Tiger Woods came back and won the Masters yesterday. Yes. This uh, is insane. Right. Previously, one of the world's most hated men and now is the most beloved. Uh, I mean, I, I, I find I find the comeback stories fascinating because we, we have universal amnesia about how much people loathed Tiger Woods. This is what we um. do. <laughs> we build someone up, which we did. We completely drag them down. And then we hope to see some sort of redemption. Well, Tiger, I saw a tweet yesterday, uh, and I, I wish I could give credit to the person, I forgot who it was, that said, Tiger Woods is basically Britney Spears to single dads. Like, that is... <laughs> like, uh, that's, I, that's an image I didn't need. Yeah, uh, Tiger Woods you know. walked so that single yeah. dads could fly. Uh, here is Tiger Woods after winning the Masters. To have the opportunity to come back like this, it is... Probably you know, the, one of the biggest wins I've ever had for sure. Hey, it, it, no matter what you think about Tiger Woods, it's a huge deal and a remarkable story that he was able to come back. Absolutely, and and it, but you know the thing that is just kind of amazing about it too is that he really didn't. I mean, he played well, but yeah. he played smart, not yeah. like awesome, right, to right, win right. it. So. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, uh, Peter mentioned that it's uh, Patriots Day up in Boston. It's also Emancipation Day here in the District of Columbia. Uh, and it's Tax Day. Uh, and uh, if, if you're, like most Americans, you're probably not happy about your uh, tax situation. Uh, this is something that we're going to talk about actually in the next half hour uh, with Simone, my uh, my colleague there, the Democrats, feel that the Republican tax law is still a good issue to to uh, run on, particularly in states like New York and New Jersey and California, where the uh, they, they did away with a, a, a pretty commonly used deduction uh, in order to give tax breaks to other things like companies and corporations, uh, and uh, they're and the Democrats are actually releasing ads on the basis of this, so they're they're pretty uh, they they feel pretty bullish about it, and uh, you know taxes that's just one of those universal things you you get you get to just you all get to kind of moan about it all at the same time unless of course you're the president uh when you, you just kind of you, you kind of keep you can just say like well i'm under audit uh I, I don't even know what that means anymore what an audit means any longer uh but the I, I do know that we're probably not going to see the president's tax returns anytime soon uh it, it, I, I think it, it we're gonna be waiting for that for a while this is one of those things that bill always has a a little tax day rant about how he pays his taxes every year Happily, mm -hmm. he writes that check with a big smile on his face. 
because it shows, you know, uh, this is this is how the government should work. We mm-hmm. should pay our taxes. The government should work for us. All that being said, it's still a giant pain in the ass, and it's yeah. a confusing giant pain right. in the ass. And uh, we just have to admit that. Yeah. No. And, I- it, and it also look. When you have someone in power who understands how the government should work and you tax the people and you use that money efficiently uh, or effectively or both, uh, that's great. That's cool. I have no problem with that either. But then you look at what happens with, let's say, a trillion-dollar war. Right. Oh, it's... That's a kind of a low ball figure at this point, right? Yeah, that <laughs> like is a Afghanistan and Iraq. It's that, a very that, low those ball. are yesterday's prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point. But like, you think of all the tax dollars that you pay, right. and you think of what it's really going to, right? And that that really is sort of a downer. It is a downer, and and I, I and I don't mean to you know sort of misrepresent myself i also i i know what my taxes go for yeah uh, i know that roads don't get built airports don't get service you're a dc resident yeah, so I'm a, you, I'm a DC you don't resident. get uh representation right. i do not i i i my you know i do not i get somebody who can walk onto the floor and not vote right uh in 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 the house uh although i i mean i have to give it to eleanor holmes norton i mean she she keeps showing up yeah you know i mean like she she is is also you know she's very persistent on her advocacy for the district. So I don't have any complaints about her. Uh, I do have complaints that, you know, there are almost 800,000 people in the District of Columbia who do not have congressional representation, which, again, I I, I don't know how, I don't know how many more times to put this <laughs> to the, you know, that that this, I mean, the country was founded on the principle that people were not being represented, but they were being taxed. And the fact that the capital of the country as so many people who are not represented and taxed is absolute. I mean, it's just absurd. <laughs> you know, this is this that this issue. I know people look at it as a local issue in a lot of ways, right? But this is one of those issues that should be a slam dunk, no brainer right. for any. I'll say Democratic politician because it's usually the Democrats that take this on as an issue. Barack Obama should have made this an issue, mm-hmm. and he should have worked with the supermajority that he had in his first two years to get something like this done. This is a very basic concept, very basic concept. And like you want to fight against it. Fine. Give, give it your best shot. Right. Like it, people always talk about, they want strong Democrats and strong progressives and all that. This is, this is even have to be a strong democratic position. You just have to take a position on this. And, and also like, I'm relatively agnostic about like how they accomplish it, whether it's retrocession to Maryland, um, whether it is creating a 51st state, which is admittedly a more difficult thing uh, to to do uh, on a, on a, you know, just getting the votes on it. And, but uh, you know, I I find it just. I mean, this is a, a very much a, uh, a a statement of people's values that they're you know just sort of blithely uh, disenfranchising so many people. You know, which is it, it, it's it's a uh, it's amazing that it's not an issue. Yeah, and just to, I mean, look, this is a this is a trend that we've talked about on this show in many different areas that uh, conservative politicians, Republicans in a lot of areas, have just lost the war of public opinion. They can't sell just their ideas alone. So they game the system. They 
pack the courts with conservative judges, activist judges. They deny a fairly progressive 800,000 people who live in Washington, D.C. the right to vote. Uh, It's not a matter of anything other than, oh, crap, if we let them vote, we might be in trouble. Well, and one of the things that I, I, I again, find interesting, too, is that there is this assumption that D.C. is just has been, always will be, you know, this Democratic stronghold. And I mean, it is now and and particularly when the the only people who seem to be listening or trying to do something about it are Democrats. Uh, But, you know, if if there was a situation where a Republican said, like, no, actually, all these wealthy people <laughs> moving to the District of Columbia, we are going to appeal to them on, you know, what what the Republicans, you know, usually, you know, a- appeal to and on their ideology, which is lower taxes, lower regulation, those those sort of things. I mean, that is is it really unheard of that they might, you know, pick up some Republicans? That the that the Republican Party in in Washington D.C. might be anything more than just this sort of moribund club of sad lawyers. <laughs> I mean, Wait, it's not. It's, it's, no, that's exactly what it is because they know they're like we, we're losing on we're losing on social issues. Uh, you have like the National Party really doesn't care, you know, about it. And then you just have like a couple of gadflies here and there. And their solution is total disenfranchisement, which is like let's not, you know, ta- let's not p- have people in Washington D.C. pay federal taxes at all. Uh, which you know, like turning the argument sort of on its head by saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you're we'll just treat it like Puerto Rico or Guam, you know, or the Northern Marianas Islands where you're a you're you're federal citizens, you're you're United States citizens, but you don't pay federal taxes since you don't have voting representation in in Congress, which is like, oh, that would be really smart, because one thing that I know that uh, Washington is doing is it's becoming richer. uh, And and so there would be more taxes, you know, to collect. It's just it's this. Like La La Land, yeah. you know, so, sort of, yeah. you know, um, and not Los Angeles, by right? The way, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, argument, and I mean, this this might be a good transition to to talking about Pete Buttigieg, who yeah, declared, was, you know, the, just the, about to say, yeah, yeah, he declared for the presidency. Uh, I mean, he is the mayor of South Bend. Uh, he's thirty seven years old, and but you know, they they tend to when people are talking about Buttigieg, not the the few people who are, I mean, he is relatively unknown compared to somebody like Bernie Sanders, say, uh, or Elizabeth Warren. But they they tend to emphasize either that he's a mayor of South Bend or that he's a veteran uh, or that he is a is gay and and married. One of the things they leave out typically is that he worked for McKinsey <laughs> consulting and and his, you know, I mean, he's this sort of technocrat, and he wants to make sure that people, uh, you know, use tax money wisely to redevelop, like, say, cities or countries. And I don't know. I, I, I find it kind of interesting that that gets left out. Maybe there's more. But you, you have a couple of clips yeah. uh, from from his announcement uh, in the rain. It's it's like this mid. This is the thing. Like they really want Midwesterners yeah, to run yeah. for, for office. I but, announced for president right, walking uphill both ways right. in the rain in, and snow. In, in the, you know, like the terrible weather is part of it, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a proud son of South Bend, Indiana, and I am running for president of the United States. You know, I, I, we've done this for a while now on the show, and I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the, I'm clearly running for president, right? but I have not announced yet. Right. It's, it's. I mean, 
It all feels kind of like kayfabe a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It, it's it, there is this. Uh, it's to me, it's a distinction without a difference. As, as yeah, soon yeah, as yeah. soon as they show up in Iowa and start asking for money, <laughs> right. you know, and 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 talking about how great Pizza Ranch is, then I'm like, okay, <laughs> yep, you're you're running for president. Yeah. You know, we we know we know you're running for president. There's only one reason to eat right. at Pizza Ranch, right? Uh, because you're running for president, right? Running for president, <laughs> that, and you just really want to know what a, a nacho pizza tastes like, <laughs> right? Actually, but you know, because it's basically St. Louis pizza. It's it's Oof. like it's plastic cheese. Yeah, yeah. It's it still hurt, still hurts, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, apropos of absolutely nothing, uh, in in our midwestern travels, yeah. Uh, you know, we we both ended up at Scratch Brewery at different times. Yes, uh, possibly one of the better. Uh, um, breweries in the world, magical in, in, place in, in Ava, Ava, Illinois. Ava, Illinois. Ava, Illinois, in, a, in literally in a holler. Yeah, uh, in in Ava, Illinois, like in the in the forest. And uh, the other day at my building, there was some. I mean, not random for me, not for them. They probably had planned it for months. Uh, there was some. Uh, Gathering of people from Southern Illinois University, some like uh, you know, sort of uh, alumni, you know, society oh, of, no Southern, of the Southern Illinois University Salukis, uh, <laughs> which is in Carbondale, <laughs> not too far away from Ava. Yeah, and uh, and I had this conversation with the mayor of some small town near Ava in, in Carbondale, uh, who had gone to SIU, and he knew Scratch Brewery. Boom! It was it was great. We did not talk about pizza though, about St. Louis pizza. Because I have takes <laughs> on St. Louis pizza and. Uh, you have I, lukewarm takes, like, would, the, like the lukewarm uh, uh, appeal of, of St. Louis-style pizza. I, I, I will say, St. Louis has uh, has a lot of great, wonderful food traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fried ravioli. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the gooey butter cake. Delicious. Yes, yes. Uh, the snoots. You know, the sno- they got the barbecue there. They do the barbecue snoots. No. What are the snoots? Hognose. Oh, snouts. The barbecue yeah. And snouts. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah, they, yeah. Just... They, call them, they call them snoots. Okay. St. Louis-style pizza... Not for me. Hmm. It's just not for me. Plastic cheese on a cracker. Plastic cheese on a cracker. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. But you know, I know Chicago. I've been to Chicago, and I never really been to Southern Illinois. Right. And it's it's completely it's a it's a different part of the country, man. When you people talk about Midwestern right votes and and things like that, uh, this is why Wilco was so successful for so long, is because they came from right. East St. Louis, and yeah. and uh, um, I forget the, the exact town that they're from is right outside of East St. Louis, but they're a Southern Illinois band who yeah. then migrated to Chicago. They right. they bridged the gap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's country. Yes, it's yeah. country out there. Yeah, it's Huck Finland. Yeah, yeah. my people. Uh, so one of the things that I mean, again, I think a lot of Democratic politicians and strategists are are super psyched about the fact that you have people like uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, throwing in uh, to the race and Amy Klobuchar is that they get to demonize uh, the coasts. <laughs> the horror show in Washington is mesmerizing. It's all consuming. But starting today, we're going to change the channel. Now, for a uh, this is a, to to quibble on on word choice, but hey, I I, I do have an English degree, yeah. So <laughs> change the channel on yeah, the horror I, show, like I, I had a hard time with that. <laughs> that I mean, even I I feel like even the the most remote areas of the country now are probably streaming Netflix. You know, I mean, like we we were talking about Disney Plus on on yeah, Friday, yeah. 
Um, changing the channel sounds very like like you know like you're picking up a big remote from or made by Zenith, you right? Know? Right. And, and it and it's and it's literally it, it it's 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 you can hear the turning of the knob like yeah. the, the we're gonna change the channel on right. the country now. If you could get up and go change it on the set because <laughs> the batteries on this remote aren't working very well, put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> Buddha Judge yeah. 2020. <laughs> Buddha Judge 2020. Change the channel. <laughs> we still watch our Panasonic <laughs> cathode ray tube television. Uh, now, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, as he likes to be called, I think uh, out of pure, I think we pure, like to call him Mayor yeah. Pete too. Well, no, Buddha he en- he encourages awful. it. Uh, he encourages the the Mayor Pete thing, but he also you know like he has some fun with his name, yeah, uh, sure. j- much like Obama had fun with his name by saying a skinny kid with a hard to pronounce name. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but he is not the only. I mean, like again, I, w- let's get out our Excel spreadsheets uh, for the Democratic presidential uh, nomination cast. Uh, he's not the only Democrat who officially, officially declared for the presidency uh, over the weekend. I believe we will make justice real for all people, and that is why I am running for president of the United States. Now, if you did not recognize that uh, that voice, that was Cory Booker, uh, who is the uh, senator, Democratic senator, junior senator from New Jersey, the Garden State, uh, home to our next guest, uh, Simone Pathé. Uh, she's a, a proud Jerseyan. Um, I don't know if that's a word or not, Jerseyan. <laughs> Jerseyite. Kind of, yeah, made made that up on the on the spot. Uh, but Cory Booker is the former mayor of Newark, also, uh, which even though it it is technically on the coast, uh, if uh, if you've been to Newark, it's not. I mean, it, it's gone from being like kind of. Um, I mean, I don't know. There, it was sort of a, the butt of a lot of jokes. I mean, like you know, this was a, what you know your archetypal like fallen city for a long time. It's a little bit on the on the rebound, primarily because of immigration. By the way, I, I, I might add um, that there. And um, and Booker was the mayor, and then he be he was uh, he won a special election after Frank Lautenberg died, and and Jeff Chiesi, who was the seat filler, who was appointed to fill the seat the the seat of Frank Lautenberg, uh, uh, left that seat. So I mean he's he's been there. Um, he's actually up for re-election to the Senate. So he's got a uh, uh, a decision to make uh, at at some point whether he is going to. Go to the end of the presidential nomination calendar, or whether he's going to uh, run for re-election. I, I have a feeling I know which way that's going to go. But <laughs> let me just—you uh, know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's interesting because you were hosting the show when his video uh, came out mm-hmm. saying he's running for president, right? Uh, and now you're here after he officially, 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 officially right. uh, announced that he was running for president. Uh, my stance when he first announced was. Uh, I think he's kind of an empty suit, uh, <laughs> and I don't know that he has the big ideas that Democratic voters are looking for in 2020. And I don't think that that's changed at the time. It's been a, a two months or so, something like that. Uh, I don't think he's done anything to really change it. And and you know, I look at the Democratic candidates and how they've played out in the first you know four months of the year. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders is doing Bernie things. He's doing exactly lots what, of scowling, lots of scowling. <laughs> uh, although there is a lots weird, of Medicare for alling, lots of Medicare for all. There is a weird movement in Bernie Sanders' campaign to actually court some of the Trump voters. I've mm-hmm. noticed, which is a little disturbing. Uh, 
Elizabeth Warren has come out as the candidate of the big idea. Mm-hmm. She is just throwing big ideas onto the table and saying, I'll get these done, whether it's universal child care or uh, breaking up AT&T or, yeah, two, breaking or up Disney. What's going to happen to Disney Plus if that uh, happens? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> if, it'll be Disney, Disney, Di- Disney Division, not yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> right. right, right. So like, she's throwing these things out there that I think are great and big ideas. And then I look at Cory Booker and it's like, he's not said anything since his first announcement. And look, there's a lot of time, and I'm not saying you have to throw everything on the table in the first four months or five months that you're running for president, but there is something to be said about traction. Right. And you look at, you compare him to, say, a Buttigieg, who had far less name recognition right. and now is raising more money and doing better in the polls than Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand. And the rest are here on Democrats Isle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't even we, we stop at like seven. He's you know? doing yeah, he's there's, doing better than Gillibrand. There, there's Booker, fourteen more, by the way. The professor and Marianne. Uh, <laughs> Marianne Williamson, of course. Right. Right. Oh oh very good point. See? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean I, I I don't know what would happen to my email inbox without Marianne Williamson running for president. It would have far fewer. Yeah. I, I I can say that. Get a lot of those. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's interesting to me that, you know, everybody has their lane right. of what they're running for for president. And, you know, I, I get that there's a lot of excitement around right. the Democratic candidates and that's cool and good. And I think it's wonderful. Right. Uh, but then I also think of, you know, the excitement around a guy like Scott Walker when he mm-hmm. ran in 2016 and was one of the first, if not the ver- very first, right. to get out of the race right? Uh, because he wasn't offering much and he ran a bad campaign. Right. And you've got to know how to do these Was things. not pulling well, was not raising very much money, and nobody even wanted to eat a pork chop with him in Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Whatever, right? And, yeah. like, at a certain point, that's going to start happening, too. Right. I, and I don't want to dismiss any of these people, right? But, like, you're going to start to see this happen with some of the candidates, some right. of the Democratic candidates. And my gut is... <clears throat> Cory Booker is probably one of them. Well, and it shows how quickly things move uh, also that, I mean, Cory Booker, you know, as, as I mean, he he isn't just this creature of the Senate. I mean, he's I mean, and he's also like relatively young. He's 49, I think. And let's turn 50 the last time I checked a couple of weeks ago. But he's, you know, he's he's a relatively young man. Right. Right. He's young. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, young. Yeah, that's young. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, and there he is on CNN. Uh, but, uh, you know, this shows like, okay, we've got Donald Trump, uh, as the sort of archetypal baby boomer, right? Like clinging to power for all of its worth. I am never letting go. Uh, Sanders and to a degree Warren, like sort of fit that mode too. They're not ready to concede the stage even at, uh, uh, you know, either past or, or nearing retirement age. Same thing with Joe Biden. And then you've got, you know, this like next generation of like Gen Xers like Kamala Harris and, and Amy Klobuchar and and uh, and Cory Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand, who are all in their 40s or 50s. And it's like, oh, never mind. Never mind, Gen X. We, we're we're, we're going to go straight to the uh, we're going to just go straight with the millennials. We're going to go straight to, you know, Pete Buttigieg, Eric Swalwell. <laughs> Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is also running. Uh, See, so yeah, they just they keep on coming yeah, up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's like uh, you know mushrooms in the yard. You know, after I just want heavy to, rain. <laughs> uh, point out that next week we have presidential candidate John Delaney in studio. Oh, another name that we would have forgotten. 
<laughs> How could you forget? Please, that? John, He's, still he, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, at the actually at the National Press Club uh, Book Festival last year. Uh, which I, I shared some space with Bill Press himself. Uh, uh, oh, nice! For, and uh, and John Delaney was like John Delaney's books were set up next next to my you know slot in the at the at the festival. I thought, oh, this will be kind of cool. I'll get to like talk to John Delaney. Um, and he he didn't show. Uh, it just it, just his books were there. And I thought like, <laughs> I mean, granted, like I I, ad- I admire the fact that he's like you know two years out before you know. He said, "Like I'm not running for re-election in 2018, so I can focus on running for president." He's got a good story, you know. He's like a you know, you know son of a union like guy, um, you know, a, a self-made man, if if you will, you know, like uh, in, in terms of his own wealth uh, by building companies and so forth. And uh, you know, just uh, it would be tough to pick him out of a crowd. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. It, 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 you know, I mean, we can. Sure, sure. We're dorks. Yeah, you know? we're. It's we're like, that, nope, that's Matt Adams. Never mind. Uh, that's uh, that's John Delaney. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Big city John Delaney. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's like a guy like John Delaney is really fascinating to me because there's there was a time that John Delaney would be prime presidential material, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's got a lot of work to do, obviously, but like. Boring, <laughs> knows his stuff. I don't know. Have we ever liked boring people in in the presidential process? I mean, like well, every, everybody is has like that. You know, they're, no, they're hot right. kind of like thing, right? I, I shouldn't say boring, even though I think he he is very boring. Uh, I think that there's a real internal. I think what it really comes down to in, in terms of the Democratic primary it comes down to two things. Uh, there are a lot of Democrats who are like, wow. There, we felt so normal under Barack Obama. Everything right. was steady. There weren't a lot of scandals. I didn't wake up and have the President of the United States living in my head 24 hours a day. I just felt normal. There was the tan suit thing. Exactly. I mean, right? that was... Like, that's what I mean. That was traumatic. It's just like... He wore like, a tan suit in August. Had the cable news stuff just, like, <laughs> totally churning out these fake and phony scandals... <laughs> Uh, and people just being like, God, it felt so good to just feel normal. It yeah. just felt normal. And then there's another part of the Democratic Party that is just like, we are so far beyond feeling normal at this point. Right. We need something radical. And that's really it. For me, that's mm-hmm. really it in the 2020 primary. You've got those two camps. And right. I think that both of those camps will make some concessions to figure out which candidate makes the most sense for them. It it is interesting too that Obama. I mean, Buttigieg has sought out Obama, and Obama has sort of like weighed in with him uh, in the in the post story by Robert Costa. You know about Buttigieg's uh, um, the possessive is what gets you with Buttigieg. It's not Buttigieg's, it's Buttigieg's. Yeah, right. Uh, it's the possessive. <laughs> it's really you know. good stuff. Uh, David Axelrod, you know, was you know sort of weighed in on it too. So like there is an Obamian like sheen uh, to Buttigieg, Absolutely. which represents that like we're not normal yeah you know, or we're, we're normal but other people are like eh, i yeah. think i want bernie to burn the place down yeah 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 so. kind of kind of we are going to take a short break uh and then we'll be up with simone pathe our senior politics reporter at roll call who will help us understand some of the stuff that's going on including what's happening to your email and also how democrats are messaging on things like tax day we'll be right back follow us on twitter at bp show this is the bill press show Peter, we've talked about the uh, canned music uh, that the Bill Press Show <laughs> oh, uses yeah. uh, before, and your your affection, your undying affection for it. 
Uh, that sounded a little bit like uh, kind of warmed over early police. I was going to say, everybody thinks it's the police. Right. It's it not, is not the police. It's just you and your garage with your bongos and your kids. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it's exactly. So it's, it, you know, d- we can't play the actual police. Right. Uh, this is uh, so you just take out every other note. This is a great kind of what it sounded like. The deputies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's unlicensed music that we can play, right? And it's so funny because there are so many songs that like come kind of close right. to sounding like somebody else. Somewhat, it's it's like sort of a not quite warm bath. Yeah, right. right. It's, it's like a tepid bath. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this isn't threatening, but it, it actually, when you think about it, it just makes you feel kind of gross. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Simone Pathé, uh, my colleague at, at Roll Call, joins us uh, for this half hour. Simone, thank you very much for getting up very early uh, and, and and coming <laughs> and and talking about things like New Jersey, uh, which I know is near and dear to your heart because you are from Northern New Jersey. Indeed, I am. Um, and, the distinction there. Yes, and you, and you have very strong feelings that. <laughs> It is superior to southern New Jersey, and there is no such thing as central New Jersey. No, no. It's not a thing. It's not. No. <laughs> no. Just a dividing line, nothing in between. <laughs> so one thing um, uh, that, that came across your your radar uh, the, uh, the over the weekend when you're supposed to be recuperating and, and, <laughs> and uh, watching TV or, you know, like working out or doing whatever people do to recharge, you know, over the weekend <laughs> after a long work week is that the uh, House Democrats released some digital ads mm. uh, that that actually pick up on the tax day sort of theme. Yes. And, and they're yeah. using this um, and, uh, in, in districts. And one of the ones that you have, have followed that you covered in the last midterm election was that of Mikey Sherrill's race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't even know if she has an opponent yet, <laughs> but, th- but this is like trying to shore her up, right? Let, let, let's talk about your story that went live right. this so morning. Right, so they're actually attacking Republicans right. on the tax plan. Um, so they've uh, announced the ads in just 12 districts that are held by Republican incumbents right now, mm-hmm. all of whom except for one who actually did vote for the Republican tax plan in okay. 2017. Um, Minnesota Rep Jim Hagedorn, of course, was not in Congress right. when it passed, but he said during the campaign that he would be happy to vote for it, so mm-hmm. they threw him into the mix. He's got that scarlet R. Right. Know, right. <laughs> so the ads are just like your classic static ad on Facebook, and mm-hmm. it has a picture of a man like opening a wallet, and you can see that there's nothing in it. And the it says, moth like flies out right. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Pete Olson. Uh, you know, trying to reinforce the idea that the tax plan did not actually help everyday Americans, okay. that it was just benefited the wealthy and corporations. Okay. Um, Republicans, of course, still argue, as recently as Friday, you had Kevin Hassett from the administration arguing that this is great, that the economy is booming, that real wages are up. Fabulous. Uh, And what was interesting to me is that this signals that what Democrats thought was a winning message in 2018, they're ready to keep on rolling with it into 2020, regardless of what the White House says. Well, and this really is the, you know, the, the, the first year that it's been in full effect right. that like people are going to are actually Seeing, can measure it from yes, year to year. Themselves. Right. So, I mean, the, right. the tax plan passed in late 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't actually do all the implementation of it, like even last year, because they had to figure out just withholding tables. Remember that fun? <laughs> it was great. You know, we're like guessing what's on our W-2s, right. how much to withhold and so forth. Uh, so this is the first year that people can actually mm-hmm. see, you know, what the what the effect is, and um, in a in a place like it, it, it does create this interesting dynamic for for Democrats in terms of their strategy, because in a place like New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, they can say, 
you know, the the the, the Republican tax law eliminated a, a tax deduction that you may have relied on, the, yes. the so-called SALT deduction, a state and local tax deduction. Uh, b- places like New Jersey, New York, California have higher tax rates at mm-hmm. the state and local level, and people used to be able to deduct uh, almost the in- entirety of that and, and lower their own tax burden. That The tax law sort of leveled that. They capped it mm-hmm. uh, in for places like Jersey. And it for Republicans, uh, particularly, say, like Kevin Brady, who's a Republican from Texas, and he was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, the Tax Writing Committee, he, you know, Texas doesn't have a state income tax. Right. So for him, it's like, who cares? No big deal. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't affect me and my constituents. Actually, they, they probably will get a little bit more right. uh, cash uh, in, 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 at the end of the year. So this has created this dynamic. And, and as you said, you know, Democrats were very successful in places like Jersey yeah. and New York. Uh, yeah. But there aren't that many Republicans left in places like that now. Exactly. <laughs> so what's, what, so this, what the, what's the strategy here? Because in Texas, people really won't care, right? Um, they might. Yeah, it depends. I think they're probably going after wealthier districts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, like, the message overall is just about whether you're doing better or right. not, right? And so um, they can certainly argue that this this message was key to them knocking off a lot of Republicans, like you said, in places, New Jersey, New York. Remember, um, talking about Brady, the chairman of the Appropriations Committee at the time, Rodney Frelinghuysen, he voted against this. The Republican from New Jersey. Yes, yes. right. So there was this huge schism in the party where right. you had folks from New York and New Jersey saying like, hey guys, this is not, not good for us. Like, right. <laughs> These people that benefit from it, these are the people who represent the districts that right. were at risk of losing. And yet the party went ahead and made it their like key legislative accomplishment for right. the 115th Congress. And Frelinghuysen decided just to not he, run yeah, at all. He didn't. Right. He wasn't defeated, but he saw the handwriting on the wall yes. and was like, "I think I'm going to spend more time with my family." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> even though the family's like, "Oh, Grandpa Rodney, I, I thought he was. I didn't even know he was around still." <laughs> like, because he spent the last 30 years in Here Washington. In Washington. Yes. And 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 again, there is a the one of the interesting things about Frelinghuysen too is that he's. You know, he was just like sort of archetypal. Yeah. Sorry to use that term. I realize I've used that term too many times now. So, you know, I, I need to beef up my vocabulary, Peter. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were an English guy. Come on. <laughs> um, the, he, but he's this hard worker, you know, in, in, he, or was this hard worker in Congress. And, and there were Freeling Heisens all the way back to the uh-huh. Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was just like, eh. No, yep. There's no there's no lane for me here. I, he probably has a better chance of being the Democratic nominee for president <laughs> than, than he did winning his House district. Um, OK, so so let's talk a little bit more about I, I, I do want to get into some of the the some of the dynamics on the, at the presidential level. But I also yeah. want to talk about another story that you wrote um, recently about uh, emails. It is mm. it is a uh, spamming season. Uh, if, if you have any interest whatsoever in politics, you will probably notice that your inbox is overflowing mm-hmm. with uh, these 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 kind of uh, emails that say like, can I have a minute? You know, I mean, some of them are a little <laughs> weird, you know. <laughs> like, Peter, I just need a moment of your time. Right. You know, or, or and some of them are weirdly defensive, too. Like, I think Kamala Harris has this one says, can I explain? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, explain what? What did you do? Did, you know, like, I mean, these these are like things that like couples, you know, like when you hear that, you're like, oh, man, my marriage is over. Can you know, I when explain? You hear like that. <laughs> can we talk? Yes. <laughs> Ross Perot well, just said, can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> um, you know, so, but, but the, and, you know, again, there, there's no getting around it if you're a political journalist or if you're right. just somebody who is interested in politics, you're going to get thousands of these by the, by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 
how do but your 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 story explain one how people get these like because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're like wait a second like how did Battle O'Rourke <laughs> get my yeah like I didn't sign up for this you know right. what, how do people get the my email yeah so there is an entire market uh, around your email and my email and everyone else's email to try to buy it and sell it and rent it and trade it. Um, and one of the most interesting things. This is not cap and trade. This by is the not way. cap and trade. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe just as complicated, but less controversial because mm-hmm. everyone does it. Um, so, one of the things that I found most interesting was this idea of what's called a joint action. And mm-hmm. it's something I felt kind of stupid. As a political reporter, I get these emails all the time and I never actually like clicked through to see what they are. Mm-hmm. So, this is when a politician emails you and says, Jason, the polar bears are dying. Sign this petition. Tell Congress that you want to save the Arctic, right? And so you go to their page, you click on it, and you sign your name. And I always kind of wondered, like, they already have my email because they sent me this email. Why am I signing my name? Like, Congress doesn't care whether I want to save the polar bear. Like, you know, not that naive. Um, You also live in the District of Columbia, so your vote vote doesn't count (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Right. So if you scroll down to the actual past the actual petition, you'll often see that the petition was paid for by like 20, 30, 40 different organizations. And the dark secret is that um, the person who got your email can then share that email when you send those organizations. And what was so interesting looking at some of the examples I wrote about was like you had competitors Mm -hmm. on that who are sponsoring the same petition. So like two Democratic candidates, for example, in Georgia's seventh district so you could be signing up thinking that you're like supporting one but your email is actually going to both to both right <laughs> um there was a private company who makes trophies they're based in massachusetts they were on this petition so like potentially your email is going to that's businesses. how trophy stores make their money apparently yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> they, they sell emails exactly it ain't from making I, trophies <laughs> totally <laughs> Uh, progressive organizations mm-hmm. like Daily Coast, Left Action, but also some like private firms, digital firms, get your email this way. So that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's common, not the most common. You're seeing a lot of presidential candidates spending money on Facebook right now and what's called paid acquisition. Mm-hmm. So these are these kind of, you know, standout ads that you see when you're scrolling through your feed and it says, you know, click here to sign up. And that's right. just another way to get you to go to their website, to sign up, and then you have they have your email address. Paid acquisition sounds like a, a euphemism it, for something much more nefarious. It does. It does. Like, but if you think about it, it's it's a gobbledygook name that actually makes perfect sense because right. you're paying to acquire the names that you want. So this is actually the most desirable form of growing an email list because you're getting the names that supposedly are the best fit for you. Right. If you're swapping email lists with another candidate or if you're getting names for this petition, like who's to say that the people who are supporting me are going to support you. Right. But if you design your Facebook ad about being Jason Dick and representing Arizona and, you know, what a great guy you are and people might say, oh, that guy, like, right. I want to support him and then sign up. And those are the people who ultimately are most likely to donate to you because right. that's what this is all about is but, and, donations. And that, li- and that list actually might be shared with the Peter Ogburn for dog catcher campaign could be too. and you right. have no I mean, control right. over that That's right. <laughs> right as a donor but yeah. but unless you read the fine print if you right. will uh, much like I mean I'm sure nobody here has everybody reads the the uh, the consent agreements when you buy an airline ticket mm-hmm. or take a prescription drug or whatever yeah. it's like I mean every, everybody is everything's totally above board right <laughs> right yeah 
So there is. You also found that there's basically a range. There's a dollar figure a affixed. Huge range. Yeah. yeah. To, uh, but so, so uh, somebody that has a desirable email <laughs> like myself, uh, say, uh, and and uh, maybe a not so desirable one like Peter's. Mm. Uh, wh- how much would those? Uh, what's what's the range there? Yeah. So yours could be worth as much as eight dollars if it's like a highly selective, small, controlled email list in. Um, Arizona, let's say, you know, your your local sheriff wants to run. And so it's a very limited geographic area. There's not a ton of people whose email lists would be valuable to him. That's going to make your address worth more. But if Peter's on this huge national list for, let's say, Kamala Harris, like Mm -hmm. his email might only be worth 40 cents. Did you hear that, Peter? 40 cents. Oh, man. (laughs) was my backup plan. (laughs) But it all depends on how you slice and dice Mm -hmm. it. So I found um, that most candidates hardly ever outright just buy a list because after a couple of years, it's expensive, but also- And it gets dated. Right. You're going to have a lot of emails on there that are inactive, and it's just not cost efficient. It's much more likely that you are buying parts of the list that you want. So you can really set the parameters for- you know, people who have opened emails in the last 60 days, people have opened and clicked, mm-hmm. and then people have opened, clicked, and donated, which is obviously the creme de la creme in this and situation. at this point, weren't we supposed to be done with email? I mean, this, <laughs> like, I mean, this is why everybody, you know, was, was so, you know, in, in the workplace, you know, right. we have Slack and, and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and in, you know, with social media, people, like, typically, well, they, they will, you know, DM each other, yeah. you know, whether on Twitter right. or, or, you know, what have you. I'm learning Instagram. this slowly, by the way, as the father of a teenager. Texting is not cool. Email is, forget it, ancient. Right. <laughs> there are all these different ways to communicate. Right. Mostly through Instagram, I found out. Right. That's like the preferred <laughs> method. For today, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. For today. <laughs> like, exactly. Right. It will Snapchat is no <laughs> longer cool. Right. Snapchat's not cool anymore. Once a major motion picture is made about like somebody's Snapchat uh, <laughs> sort of uh, eighth grade, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's over. You it's know, over. like it, it's a it's a lagging indicator. Yeah. Twitter is for <laughs> old people and white supremacists, apparently. Yeah. So. It's, as as our friend Brandon Weatherby says, it's the stock ticker for Nazis. Yeah, yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> like, uh, and Facebook is for our grandparents. Yeah. Uh, and, oh my god! Yeah, yeah and my yeah. mom's on there. <laughs> um, so, and this almost it seems to me like polling too. Like mm. that polling, like the more the one of the reasons that it's so difficult to get reliable polling at the house level mm-hmm. uh, is that it's incredibly expensive to poll. Uh, in, in such a small area, yeah. relatively small area of, of, you know, each congressional district is about 700,000 people. Right. Uh, and then of those, you know, m- roughly half of them vote if you're lucky. Right. And it might be a more dispersed general, you know, area like, you know, the, they're everything from, uh, you know, small metropolitan districts to mm-hmm. Arizona's first district, which is bigger than Pennsylvania. Uh, and it, it's so it, it's it's it seems like the same thing where like you can you can pay. Yeah. And get this. It, 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 but it may not be that cost effective. Right. And there's a fear, especially this year with so much competition. I mean, with the DNC setting this kind of threshold for grassroots donors to get on the presidential debate stage for the primaries, everyone and their mother wants an email list and they want right. a good email list. Right. Um, and so suddenly this kind of small dollar fundraising that was popular among some circles of the Democratic Party is something that everyone really needs to strive for. Um, and there's a fear that, you know, with so many candidates, a lot of people are probably signed up for multiple email right. lists, multiple lists for the same office, let alone House and Senate candidates. And so is that going to depress the average size donation and the number of times those people donate? 
It seems though that uh, the the, the top, at least the top tier of fundraisers mm-hmm. have not had a problem. With yeah, I think they'll be you know, fine. Ber- Bernie, <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris, yeah. Beto O'Rourke, uh, right. Pete Buttigieg, like they're they're at the seven million dollars yes. and up sort of range. Yes. Yeah, uh, which is sort of leaving table scraps for some of the people. But you would expect right. that with a with twenty two or twenty three yeah, people. Yeah, someone has in, to be at the bottom. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's a good transition point to talk about some of these presidential candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. The the you know over the weekend we had two uh, more declarations, even though everybody knew that Pete <laughs> Buttigieg and Cory Booker were running oh, for president, running? right? I but <laughs> uh, but they but they felt the need to do the big right. you know kind of um, you know kind of premiere, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you know it, there, there's some parallels to the way Hollywood does things, where they'll have a red carpet in London and in mm-hmm. Tokyo and in you know Los Angeles. Uh, so it's it's a way of you know you know getting your people to pay attention and right. to get some coverage and so forth. So obviously, all twenty two or twenty three or however many people are uh, are running uh, are not going to be viable even by the end of this year. We've got a number of people who are um, members who have to run again for reelection if they want to be mm-hmm. back in Congress. In the next Congress, so that applies to Cory Booker, who's mm-hmm. up for re-election uh, and has has declared for presidency, uh, and certainly the House members Eric Swalwell, uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, and Tim Ryan, yep. uh, all, all all Democrats, all running for president. And uh, I think most of the other senators are all good. Gillibrand, yes. Klobuchar, Warren, yeah. they all are mid mid cycle, uh, so they're they don't have to worry about giving up their seats uh, at, at this point. So at what point does an Eric Swalwell or a Tim Ryan, you know, and I'm, and we're not handicapping their cho- their chances right. right now, but what at what point would they need to make a decision about, yes, I'm going to run for president mm-hmm. and I'm not going to run for re-election to the House or I'm not going to run for re-election to the Senate? Yeah. So it depends on the state, because as we know, the filing deadlines and the primaries are all different. Right. But theirs are a bit earlier than, say, a Booker. I think New Jersey's primaries in June. Right. So he's got some time. But I have to think that by early next year, like half of these people will have to have bottomed out, out, right? right? Like you just you have to see the writing on the wall, <laughs> right? Right. And and somebody like so it, it, it's fascinating because somebody like Swalwell yeah. has been to Iowa a lot. Yeah. Now, he's from Iowa, even though he represents California. But he he was born in Iowa, which mm-hmm. is a point he'll make if if you're around him for more than a few minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and I think I mean. It seems to me that the going sort of consensus about somebody like Swalwell is that he's he's running but not really running. Like mm-hmm. he's running to raise his his own profile. like kind of profile, right. maybe gather some email lists, yeah. uh, uh, make some connections, yep. meet the donor class at the national level uh, so that he can continue his career in politics sort of a, one, one step at a time. Uh, I'm a, I was a little surprised at Tim Ryan uh, mm-hmm. and and his uh, his decision to get into the race, mm-hmm. um, but so they, but at a certain point you almost get ready you get you start running like into cash flow problems yeah. in, in getting to these places because the, a lot of these folks are not traveling to Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Uh, on they're not going there as members of Congress. Right. They're going there as candidates, and you have to raise money, and you have to pay people, and you have to pay you know campaign staff and get polling yeah. and so forth. And they're going to get into cash pinches if they're not m- showing some progress, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing all these email right. <laughs> lists because they, they need I that explain? money. Can, Simone, can we have a moment? <laughs> <laughs> I need $5 million. <laughs> my, my favorite is when it'll say, you know, email from Dan, parentheses, personal, 
or <laughs> from my iPhone. Right. I'll try to get you to open it. Uh, luckily for them, none of these people are actually in districts that like they're going to need to spend a lot of money right. to defend at right. the general level. That's not to say that the primary, I think there's already talk actually from some folks in Massachusetts about Seth Moulton, who hasn't mm-hmm. even announced yet, but who potentially is also running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and some Democrats there saying like, okay, well, if you're going to be running, like, we're waiting in the wings here to, to take your seat. And I actually think that is a state where he can run for both. Mm-hmm. But whether that's palatable to the Democratic base to see your guy out in Iowa instead of, you know, representing right. you, that can cause some some sour grapes at yeah. home. And this has happened uh, a couple times in recent memory where someone has run for both reelection mm-hmm. to their Senate seat. They were both senators and they're running for vice president at the hmm. time. So Joe Joe Biden uh, in 2008 was up for re-election and also, you mm-hmm. know, ran for vice president. He mm-hmm. won both races uh, yeah. and and left the Senate seat. And, and we got Ted Kaufman, who was hmm. um, uh, took his place in the Senate for a short period of time. And then Joe Lieberman. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just if your name is Joe. Right? <laughs> it's just you're, Joe. you're fine. Uh, Joe Lieberman did the same thing. He ran yeah. for re-election uh, in, in the Senate and and. Uh, but he he lost uh, at at that level and uh, but got you know he won his reelection like without like too much of a breaking of sweat. Mm-hmm. The the I wonder I mean just about the what it says about the institution though <laughs> too that that most so many of these people particularly younger people in Congress are are using the, I mean like they're. They're like, I just want to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if they're not serious, you know. I mean, and and I'm just, I take them at their word that they all want to be president and they're all running seriously. But I mean, obviously, some people are probably aware that they're not a household name and it would be an uphill climb. Right. But what would it be? What does that say about the institution that they're <laughs> that they're like, I'm just going to spend the next few months in Iowa and yeah. and New Hampshire uh, instead of doing conducting oversight yeah. of the administration? It's not a great look for Congress. It's particularly troublesome to. Democrats here at the DSCC who are trying to recruit Democrats right. to run against Republican incumbent senators, someone like a John Hickenlooper, for mm-hmm. example, you know, a governor, he's got statewide name ID. They would love for him to challenge Cory Gardner, right. but he's not interested in that. Right. Likewise for Steve Bullock in, in uh, Montana. Mm-hmm. You know, they need someone to challenge Steve Daines. He's not interested. He right. wants to run for president. And, and these Better are. O'Rourke. Yeah. It's like exactly. I did the O'Rourke run for a Senate yeah. thing. Potentially though... Stacey Abrams. Right. Like the, the list goes on and on. Um, for a lot of folks, you know, especially governors who have had executive experience, we often hear that coming to the Senate where you're one of 100 just isn't that exciting. Right. <laughs> or, and much less the House. Too, uh, yeah. Right? Forget I mean, the House. That, I mean, uh, yeah. it, it is, you know, I mean, you know, the, the most people don't get to be president. Right. I mean, we've only had forty-five of them in the two hundred plus years of the of the republic. It's not it's not something. It is a very elite club. Yeah. Um, and the being a senator, you know, I mean, granted, the institution doesn't always present itself in the best light, mm-hmm. or a, or a member of Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this was you know like you could think of this as the pinnacle of a career, yeah. like in public yeah. service of a life well spent, if right. you will. And now right. it's like. This is an okay platform. Uh, I'll I'll take it. I'll get a seat I'll on, say, the intelligence committee uh, if it gets me on Jimmy Kimmel. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> uh, it it's uh it it it's kind of fascinating. And but but I mean again, you're 
the, you, it, there isn't a shortage of people wanting to run for these. Mm-hmm. They, they just like they, they're missing out on some of the people like the Hickenloopers and Bullocks. Yeah. But it's not like they're, they're the cupboard is bare. Plenty of people right. running Plenty for of House and people. Senate. They right. just might not have the name recognition and experience that folks in Washington would like to see because it makes their job easier. So what uh, it, in the, in the short time we have left, we have a little over a minute. Um, what are, what are some of the house races in particular? This is my Ooh. this is my thing. What what are the two or three house races that you're excited the most about covering in this current election Ooh, cycle? Wow, good question. Um, there's a couple in Georgia that mm-hmm. I think will be fun. And Georgia is one of those places that I feel like is just coming on the map. Right? We follow Georgia six, of right. course, was huge, but. Right wasn't that competitive afterwards, at least, you know, in between did flip to Democrats, but now it's like a place that people right. are actually paying attention to. Likewise for Georgia seven is now an open seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be watching today and tomorrow because it's FEC filing day. Yes. So we'll get to find out Not just tax day. who might be retiring. <laughs> uh-huh. Interestingly, uh, it was noted over the weekend that Chris Collins from New York, who has run into a bit of legal and ethical trouble. Right. Only raised five thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. None of that was from individuals. No one in his district donated to him. Wow! Let that sink in. Uh, <laughs> so when you're indicted, <laughs> I mean, sometimes that you know makes people pause just a little just bit. A little just bit, a little bit, you know. So. so watching to see whether some of these open seats that have been uh, strong for one party or the other. Dave Loeb Sachse in, mm-hmm. in Iowa, he just retired on Friday. You know whether they'll be competitive. Very interesting. Well, Simone, thank you so much for running us through the this. Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And welcome back to The Bill Press Show. Uh, as stated before, I am not Bill Press. Uh, my name is Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call. Uh, thank you for joining us this Monday morning on Tax Day. Uh, hopefully you have filed your taxes already and you're just listening in your robe with some coffee to The Bill Press Show. Bill Press uh, is absent, uh, as we stated before. He's running the Boston Marathon. We're not sure if he's uh, sneaked onto the course because he didn't get a bib, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep track of Bill's uh, movements uh, I just, as, as the I day goes on. I just have to play my favorite clip uh, once again for the Boston Marathon, the mayor of Boston. Remember, we're talking about the marathon. Bo- and Boston. And Boston. We will not tolerate drinking in public. We will not tolerate smoking <laughs> marijuana in public. That's what they're worried about at the Boston Marathon. <laughs> right. No drinking and smoking weed in public. You know, I think this is just, I, I we can add to that later, but first we're going to do the full court press and then we'll talk to Tom Lobianco yes, right after. The full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, Jason, it's been 20 months since Game of Thrones last season finished and last night Everyone died. Was the premiere? <laughs> yes, everyone is dead. The show is over. Right. I will it's not. Just a one, it. It's just a one show and out. I have not seen it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it today. 
Yeah, it's a one episode season. Don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> don't say, no, God damn it. Don't no, say anything. No other spoilers. That's all I'm going to say is just that it came back last night and people were very excited. I mentioned this the other day. Uh, HBO is expected to see worldwide through live watching, streaming on the HBO app, and everything else, one billion dollars. Uh, one billion people. One billion people watching the show. One billion people watching the show. Wow, pretty crazy. You watch it? Is it no, it? I don't. I watch it. That's I have. I, I. I got. I got far too far behind, and I'll eventually I catch up on it. Yeah, sure. I get that. I know everyone dies, and there's there's like. There's blood and boobs, right? That's that's the show. Uh, there's a name <laughs> that my <laughs> wife calls the show that. that I don't think... <laughs> like, I, not I, much, but... <laughs> my, my wife calls the show Dragon's something still. that I can't tell you what it's called on air, but it's basically that. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically that. Hey, here's a great story. Are you looking for more weird ways to die in Florida? There's a new one. <laughs> a man was killed over the weekend by his pet cassowary. Cassowary? You know what a cassowary is? It's not a casserole. Not a casserole. Not a hot dish from Minnesota. It's a large, flightless bird, not unlike an emu or an ostrich. They have dagger-like claws. Which, by the way, I knew that about ostriches. One thing you don't. This want is to not. Do. This is not part of the th- the plot of Game of Thrones. This is not. <laughs> this is not he Game drank, of Thrones, Florida. He drank milk of the poppy and it was attacked by a cassowary. Uh, no, it, a, ca- a cassowary is a large. And then an iguana dropped on him. That's right. That's right. They have very sharp claws, and it is considered to be the world's most dangerous bird. That's really shocking. So this guy who had a pet cassowary, he fell. He tripped and fell, and the cassowary pounced upon him and ripped him to shreds with these these claws. The guy bled out, killed him, killed him. So there's, I guess there's not enough stuff to be worried about in Florida. At some point, Dave Barry will probably write about this, right? I mean, it is kind of tragic, but it's like also just it's gonna it's gonna be somewhere in that Carl Hyas and Dave Barry yeah. land, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about cursive? There is a slow death that cursive. Oh, has I thought you dying. said cursing. I'm in favor of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, in favor uh, of cursing, <laughs> but cursive writing in cursive. cursive. It's been slowly dying right. off, right? They're not teaching kids how to do it, but it is coming back. Common Core standards have essentially sort of wiped it out, but elementary schools, some states are requiring elementary schools to teach kids how to write in cursive. And this is not just hipster like elementary schools, or like, you know, let's do, like, let's do uh, cursive typing today. Yeah, right. right. I've seen a cursive typewriter before. It's kind of cool. Really? Yeah. yeah. That that is kind of cool. No, kids today are packing their quills and their backpacks (laughs) and their ink pots and uh, doing it that way. I mean, in, the Instagram logo is in cursive, I will note. Oh, that's a good point. So. That's a very good point. Oh. So anyway, it's coming back. It's coming back. This is the Bill Press Show. And welcome back. Uh, We're very excited to have Tom Lobianco in studio. Tom is the author of Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Lobianco. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that I've noticed is that the, the I mean, maybe Indiana is just, is just like one of these like more polite places, but we've got this strange 
feud between Pete Buttigieg, who mm-hmm. uh, is, is has now is now declared officially officially declared yes. the president, uh, and and the vice president Mike Pence, uh, and and it's it's taken like interesting form because it does seem like a very civil debate about very broad issues. <laughs> yes. Pete Buttigieg has has um, sort of called out the vice president saying mm-hmm. it's unclear to me how you can be this pious person and and serve someone who has paid off porn stars and uh, in, in, in the president <laughs> of the United States. And and also, I mean, he talks about I mean, Pete Buttigieg is, is would would be the first gay American uh, who uh, would be elected president if he's if he's elected. Um, and he you know, he said that, you know, it's it's like he has this line like, you know, sort of by the grace of God and one vote on the Supreme Court. I, I got to marry. And, yeah. and it was no thanks to Mike Pence, who signed legislation uh, in, in Indiana that's now now sort of infamous and, and also since altered that would allow people, you know, to basically discriminate against gays yeah. in, in the in private and, pu- and public life if they right. felt that it, it like they wanted to they make sure that they were empowered from a li- religious sense uh, to do what you know not serve a gay person or not make bake them a cake I don't know whatever right you know, things like this. right it's very abstract thoughts so what do you make of this as someone who has written a book <laughs> about Mike Pence is Mike Pence equipped for this feud oh wow um, boy a 37 year old right <laughs> there's kind of these um Indiana nice slaps going mm-hmm. back and forth here, right? A little yeah. Midwestern nice punching and, you know, kind of a little cat fight, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was, to me, it's amusing having, you know, having been around this, right? Because read between the lines, I mean, they're beating the hell out of each other. Right. But on the surface of it, it you know, they won't. I never heard Pete Buttigieg say the word bigot. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of other people call Pens a bigot, but not Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Um, likewise, I hear uh, you know Pence blasting him for discri- you know uh, discriminating against his Christian faith, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I don't here's and I don't want to scoop myself before the book comes out here, mm-hmm. but what I can tell you is that Pence never really dealt with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA. He never really came to grips with it after this all happened. Mm-hmm. All right, so th- we're going on four years now. Right. Four years later, it feels like an eternity. Um, Buddha Judge knows that. Mm-hmm. He he gets it, right? I mean, here's a guy who's been around Indiana. He understands this guy. Um, I think uh, Karen Pence was on uh, Brian Kilmeade's show, um, his radio show, over. The, I think it was over the weekend or Friday, and made this comment about how uh, strategically Buddha Judge is is taking these pot shots at, at the vice president to get some uh, get some idea to get some media attention, uh, I probably, and and that's not surprising because there's a guy who's in the White House because of that. Mm-hmm. You started out with low energy Jeb, mm-hmm. right? right. And, uh, you know until Lion you Lion Ted, you know, right? And went on to Lion Ted and every, all the way down. Did you get a nickname, Peter? Sadly, I did. Yeah. Oh, can we make one? Sure. <laughs> sure. They're all, they're all positive nicknames. All you know, positive. Like, you know, only positive. Vi- Viking Pete. There Viking. you go. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> slippery Pete. That's, slippery uh, I always Pete. love that from the old Western. <laughs> slippery Pete. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it, the, the Trump thing is, is so funny uh, with the nickname stuff. But, you know, Pete Buttigieg has picked a fight with Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. he's trying to pick a fight with Donald Trump, and I get that, right? Like, by running for presidency, you are in some way <laughs> picking a fight with the current president of the United States. But I think 
Democrats have had a really, really, really hard time taking back the religious, the political religious space. Yes. And nobody, I don't say nobody's done a great job of it because there are a lot of people out there doing a lot of great work. But on a political front, there aren't a lot of politicians that call themselves Democrats that can handle that challenge. Right. And Buttigieg can do it quite well. Yeah, he's. I mean, what's fascinating about this, and, and Peter and I have talked about this before. You know, in the in the book, we go deep into the the religious, political, religious history, um, sort of the evolution of the moral majority into the you know, Christian right, the Christian coalition. And what was fascinating to me, and I guess this is you know the amnesia of of, of current uh, political reporting right now, where you know you can't I can't I, I could hardly remember last what happened last week, let alone last month. Yeah, right. I mean, like ten Democrats declared for president last right. week. Right. That, that's all. I don't know their, their names. Their names like, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but what was fascinating to me in in reading through some of the the genesis of this movement is that back then, back in the, the late 70s and the early 80s, this was the argument being used by the conservatives yeah. because they felt that it was the, the Jesse Jacksons, the civil rights movement that had uh, had a lock the corner on, on the religious. Yeah, exactly. Aspect, yeah. yeah, so it's really fascinating, I mean, four decades later, to see, and, and that's how epochs roll. This is how e- Twitter is not epochal. Facebook mm-hmm. is not epochal. I, I, Trump might be epochal, but, you know... I wonder if some of this, too, is that the I mean, the Democratic Party is a you know, it, it's made up of more faiths. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. in, in, in I mean, yes, there are Muslims and Jews and and, uh, you know, and Sikhs in, in the Republican Party, certainly, but not in the kind of numbers that you see in in among Democrats. And maybe one of the reasons that the. Democrats have had a difficult time connecting, particularly with conservative evangelical Christians, is because that's simply there just aren't enough people in the Democratic Party. And the the Republicans have had this sort of lock on them for a couple of generations now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, when Trump selected Pence, I don't want to get out ahead of myself in the books. I have some some pretty good reporting on on what he brought. In regards of evangelicals, it's not it's not exactly what you see on the face of it. I'll, I'll just put it that way. There's more to it, and there's there's good strategic reasoning behind it. There's mm-hmm. some uh, we we, we kind of tease out the um, throughout the campaign, you know, who's hopping on board when mm-hmm. and what that means. And I think what the, what it speaks to is the same thing that that Buddha judges is is shooting for right here, which is that um, the evangelicals writ large are not a monolith. Right. It's a uh, for one thing, it's not a denomination. It's an experience Um, for another thing. uh, You have gradations of this. Mm -hmm. You have styles. You have people within those denominations. You have fundamentalists. You have not fundamentalist mainline evangelicals. You name it. Snake handlers. You have some Pentecostals. <laughs> yes, that, that that exists, right? So that's one thing we didn't talk to uh, with Clyde and Cam about Peter when we had the Southern half hour of power as Pentecostals. I, you know, I don't look, know. I got, wow. Yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up Southern Baptist, uh, so you know we didn't handle snakes, but we knew where to get them on short notice. Uh, <laughs> the, back, went, the backyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I I went to church four times a week. Ooh. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday night outreach, and Wednesday service. You nailed it! Wow, you nailed it! 
That's absolutely right. Can you tell where my experience was in growing up in Phoenix and Cottonwood, Arizona? We we had a lot. Yeah, we we had a lot of church. We had a lot of church. And the Pentecostals, boy, oof, man, I tell you, they are- Southern Baptists are pikers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) no, exactly. Like, oh, you go to church five times a week. Uh, Great. Uh, Do you you handle poisonous snakes in the middle of, uh, like, the church? Uh, Somebody told this, I can't remember if it was when you were hosting on Friday, somebody told it last week, one of my favorite jokes of all time is, why don't Southern Baptists have sex standing up? Because people might think you're dancing. <laughs> and I'll never forget uh, when I was in high school. I had my, I was, had my hit my rebellious phase. I said, "I'm not going to church anymore." And my parents, after I collected them off of the floor from uh, passing out, they said, "No, as long as you live in this house, you're going to go to church." And so I started going to the Methodist church. Oh, yikes! <laughs> Big time yikes! You learned, you learned, you learned which one was the salad fork there. <laughs> <laughs> and I went I went on one of these like uh high school retreats, right? They take all the high school uh, kids from from the Methodist church and I went and at the end of this retreat they had a dance. And I wow. Had, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Mega concept. hookup land. Yeah. I couldn't understand <laughs> what was happening. I was like, "No, wait. Someone had to explain it to me like five times." Was there like hand-to-hand contact? You could dance. Boys and girls could dance with each other, like wow. up close. It was wild. You didn't incinerate. No, you didn't incinerate. No, no, no. God did not smite That's actually anyone. what happened at the end of Avengers Infinity War. They were getting ready to dance. <laughs> they were dancing. Dust. They were all, all the yeah. Southern Baptists <laughs> that were dancing uh, were gone. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so, so I mean, yeah. I didn't mean to get too yeah, far yeah. afield sorry, there. Sorry, but no, but this is like, there. you know, th- this is right. this, there, there is a. I, I, I can't help but think that a lot of, a lot of people that like going to church is becoming a, like a fairly distant, like experience for a lot of people, particularly younger people, yeah. or particularly millennials, yeah. and those seem to be the people who Pete Buttigieg is trying to motivate. You know, like a, as opposed to win over, you know, Mike Pence's most you know fervent sort of supporters. Right. It's not the you know religious freedom types in in uh, Terre Haute uh, necessarily. Right. It's it's like you know it's it's a thirty five year old person who is maybe going to Notre Dame uh, and and is is thinking about religion in terms of like whether it is is like matching up with his or her value system. Yeah, I and mean, right? well, there's it. I mean, and he's also speaking to. I mean, he's doing he's doing the generational divide. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so much of it that you can see in that kickoff yesterday, mm-hmm. where you know, even um, I think it was the the mayor of West Sacramento hinted at this. He's like, "You've hopscotched over uh, over Gen X, right, to mm-hmm. millennial." Oh, I'm well aware of this. <laughs> yes, this generational conflict is is my. This is what speaks to me. You know, like that that the these forties and forty something and fifty somethings are just it's just you know. Like never mind, we don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's that that is also reflected within the broader population of evangelicals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as part of the research for the book, you know, I sat through um, I sat through a service up at the the church that they used to go to, um, the Pences used to go to. Um, at, uh, it's in the suburb north of Indianapolis, and um, uh, you know the folks that I were with for that. Just kind of made a point. They're like, you know, look, a lot of folks in here, they're not really into like battling one way or another over gay marriage. It's like they just don't want to get into the politics. Mm -hmm. And I think that's who Pete Buttigieg is trying to win over. Now, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's he's a politician. 
Right. Um, but I think if you're if you're shooting it because it has become so politicized on the other side, mm-hmm. it leaves some opening for a Buddha judge to come in. And, you know, the president of the United States tells everyone he's not a politician. Right. So, I mean, I, theoretically, the guy who's an, yet another politician who's running for the White House could tell everyone and have enough of them believe it that you can get some traction with that. Right. Um, and that's who that's who he's going at I with this. Um, there's just a, this generational split that you see right now. And um, and, you know, again, to go back in the history a little bit, you also saw some consternation with that in the founding of the moral majority over that they don't want to and this is this is more from the right side of things mm-hmm. um the from, politically speaking but that you don't want to mix the politics with the um uh, with the religion mm-hmm. um from a different side um that didn't seem to win out in no, terms of how the, no, <laughs> how the moral well, majority it, yeah um <laughs> you know sort of organized and and made its presence felt in, right. in in american culture i mean they pitched their wagon to ronald reagan and it worked. That was it, right? You know, you know, they. I mean, there's still a Falwell running things. Right? <laughs> it's it, it. There is, man. It's um, it's remarkable. Um, yeah, that argument did not win out right. at the end of the day. <laughs> well, and and I and I wonder, like, where you know the the where does this leave? You know, the 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 are is Pete Buttigieg or other Democrats who do try to connect with. You know, people in who people who are Christians, particularly you know, like who, people who are evangelical Christians, does this leave people who are say avowed secularists, which is mm-hmm. not a small you know percentage of people any longer? Or I should point out that it was I think it was a couple of weeks ago to the story that the majority of people in this country now, for the first time in in many 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 years, are now not affiliated with a religion. Mm. Right. They say we are not religious. That's the number one religion. They are not religious. Right. Mm. Uh, and so, like, there is there is a large group of people out there who just say, "I don't go to church. I'm not religious." Right. And I and I wonder if is it is there is there a risk of of alienating some of these people by 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 this sort of outreach? I mean, I realize that's sort of far fetched, you know, because I think yeah. most most like um, atheistic Democrats are still going to vote for anybody who has a D after their name in 2020. Right. You know, regardless, you know, if, if of how, um, you know, if if they go to church, you know, or, or not. I mean, I just, it, but it, it is, we just, it, we see like religion continuing to define, if not so much people's lives, but like a lot of the contours of the debate. Yeah. It, so, you know, it, so you're asking in the sense of does the, does the secularist uh, voting block become the spurred mm-hmm. uh, voting block here? Mm-hmm. And could be. Right. I mean, um, this is what you always heard from uh, from Republicans in regards to the black vote. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Trump did it you know, again in 2016 that, you know, Democrats never take care of you. They they you know they take you for granted. Um, they rely on you, but they don't do anything for you. Exactly. Was the argument is the yeah. way the argument went. Right. Right. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, it could be. Right. Um, I mean, look at looking at Buttigieg right now. Um, where he is, and, and and it's early on in the race, early on in the primary, he's got nothing to lose with what he's doing with this style, um, with that, that campaign kickoff yesterday. Now that said, I mean he hit some really great notes. I thought. I mean, I, he you listening, judging from the crowd, listening to how 
they reacted to the way he put things and the, um, the, the way he was talking about things. Uh, he's got this, he's got the energy right now. Um, does it carry forth? You know, for one thing, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, but can a short person, you know, relatively short, <laughs> and I'm not, you know, right? No, no, no. I, uh, I say, right? Usually the tall person wins. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. As a matter of history, right? Yeah. Uh, Barack Obama, tall guy. Donald right? Trump, tall guy. I'm not, I'm a medium sized guy. I will never be president. There's many other reasons I won't be president, but that's one of them. I just want to say this uh, Jason and I, both over six feet, uh, that's a hell of a ticket. Yeah. Yes. That's a hell of a ticket. And I'm happy to be your vice president, by the way. Dick Ogburn? Os- Ogburn <laughs> yeah, Dick. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. I, I, you know, some, some of my, uh, uh, when I ran for student, uh, for senior class president at Sunny Slope High School in Phoenix, some of the some of the signs were taken down by the administration. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. They did not like uh, the way that I had uh, phrased things. Yeah. Even though there was nothing wrong, no, let's be clear. You know, name. Pick Dick. Yours, I mean, that, sure. That's a good one, right? Sure. Like that. that Stick uh, with Dick. Stick with Dick. <laughs> uh, follow the Yellow Dick Road. <laughs> that one got taken down. Okay, all right. I yeah. like that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, there, there were other there were other things that sort of plays on uh, Samsonite uh, suitcase commercials that, that that got taken down too. Okay, you know you know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, yes, now yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. That's a generational thing. Uh, yeah. it, just just Google it uh, for <laughs> you can let your imagination take uh, take take yeah, root there. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, I got, and I got in trouble uh, with the, the I was on the uh, uh, the basketball team and and I didn't play a whole lot. Uh, we had a, we had a very good team. Um, I was a medium talent, uh, but uh, toward toward the end of games, occasionally when it was obvious that it was time to put in the garbage the, time. Yeah, we we talk, we called ourselves the towel club because we had towels and would wave them. That we were basically cheerleaders yeah. uh, for most of the game. <laughs> uh, but but some friends of mine uh, like to uh, say insert dick. <laughs> insert dick. It's time so to do it. Put dick it's in. Do it. Put dick in. <laughs> right. You know, you game. gotta do it to the game. To the game. Yes, of course. You know, for the FCC what out there. You know, you know, yeah. Good, good campaign is yeah. knowing timing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's knowing timing and connecting to people. Uh, I lost, uh, by the way, the senior class. <laughs> I did win an at-large seat, though, for student council. Uh, so the, I, I was able to represent. Uh, I was able to continue my public service uh, lifestyle, you know, okay. you know at Sunny Slope <laughs> High School. How tall is Buddha Judge? Oh God! I don't, he's like five three, five four, something like that. Wait, really? No, he's, he's not that. Deep. I I do not know. I, I can't. I you know, I don't, don't hold me tall, to this. I, I got to look tall it up. Guy. Ask I, I read the I read the uh, um, the New York uh, uh, magazine piece that Olivia Nucci did mm-hmm. on Buddha Judge. It's on the cover, um, and Olivia Nucci's been on the show. She's not super tall. There's a picture of the two of them walking down the street, and I guess yeah, he is shorter than her. Yeah, in the photos. So. I mean, the I'd but, say probably yeah. five, three, five, four somewhere. Yeah, the guy that I remember was, I mean, he might have grown. I mean, I doubt it. But Maybe he's a growth spurt. He's he not is still that young. young. He's not yeah. that young. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. He's, he was probably done growing when he was in his twenties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's young, but not that young. <laughs> he's not to the point of shrinking. So that's he's, good. <laughs> I, I have. I uh, there. It, it'll be interesting when he gets first gray hair. Probably right. Uh, yeah. You know, it was traumatic Oof. for me, and I, I've fully embraced it. Obviously, uh, but uh, no, it, it's. I mean that that stuff is weirdly important. Yeah, um, but like I, I also wonder if some of this is that you know when you present a contrast with with Donald Trump, like that may be the thing that is that people are kind of looking for, right? You know, is, is that? Yeah. Is, I mean, and and Buttigieg <laughs> is about as different, was, you know, from from I, Donald Trump as you, as you can get. Um, let me pull up my 
my deep notes here from the from yesterday's. Are those uh, from the kickoff. deep state? From the deep state, yes, <laughs> in South Bend. Yes, <laughs> run by Studebaker. <laughs> I love that it was a Studebaker plant, by the way. That is now oh, yeah. like you know, kind of a, a, a tech related, tech and data related, <laughs> you know, sort of building. Uh, that I mean, it, it it again. We one of the things that we were talking about earlier um, in the first hour of the show is that there there's typically an emphasis on how young Buttigieg is. That mm-hmm. he's gay. Mm-hmm. That he's a mayor. That he's a military veteran. Uh, that he's a Rhodes Scholar, that he's university, you know, parents. Uh, very few people talk, talk about the fact that he was at McKinsey. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. That, that I mean, this is what he does. Like, turnarounds are what he does. Yeah, he is a technocrat. You know, he looks, at a, he looks at an empty building and he sees a WeWork, you know, not, oh, you know, wow. not, a, not a, uh, necessarily something, uh, a rehab, you know, kind of thing. Well, that's um, interesting because, yeah. you know, Liz Smith was, was O'Malley um, last time around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that if you hadn't had Clinton in there uh, kind of putting a cap on the growth of the, of the Democratic field, mm-hmm. I mean, with, the, you know, the, these, you know, uh, trying to kill off vendors, the, the, you know, keeping them from going with Sanders or O'Malley or anyone mm-hmm. else for that matter, you might have had, this is kind of like you lift the cap off and you see the natural growth within that field. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Malley was a technocrat. Right, Comstat, Citystat. I mean, when I covered him when he was governor ten years ago, that was his thing, and that was in that moment that was what he was going to be. Right, he's going to be the guy who understands the levers of power, mm-hmm. who understands how this place works, and that's really. I, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, man, because like that, that is anti-Trump. Right, understanding and being interested using, and using data. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, wow. I, and, and and like you know, the we we also saw that you know, like as you said, I mean, O'Malley was not able to get up off the ground for for a number of reasons. Right. But he and he also had a lot of. I mean, he did have a lot of charisma. I mean, he he. Yeah. This is a guy who went to like the Pogues shows here at the nine thirty club, <laughs> yes. and 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 you know had and it was an attractive dude, right? And mm-hmm. played in his own band. I mean, he had a way of connecting with people beyond just being you know sort of a glad handing politician. And he couldn't get out the barn door. Yeah, no. Martin O'Malley was a cookie cutter presidential candidate in yeah. just about any other generation. Well, Martin. yes, and he flipped right because the the guy I covered was a DLC Democrat. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he became a progressive. I right. mean, yep. Uh, it, which is really interesting to watch, it, having watched yeah. him post two thousand sixteen, especially. Right. Yeah. Sort of try and pivot to right? because like he clearly was still thinking about running. Mm-hmm. I don't think he realized he didn't really have a lane or a shot or anything like that, but he really did become sort of a little bit of a democratic socialist in his messaging <laughs> after the election. Right? You know, I mean, we had him on the show, and he, you know, he said he first of all he thinks he could have beat Donald Trump, and also he talked about you know um, the importance of work and the importance of jobs, mm. and um, you know that is really the currency that we should be looking at for the. Su- success of of any society um which is pretty direct from bernie sanders right yeah yeah well he did that i mean he did that a little bit too when he was governor when they were doing the technical training the votech and all that sure anthony brown used to talk about that a fair amount um but you know the funny thing is and with this you know this the the gay marriage fight that we see now between Buttigieg and and pence i mean i cover when i covered o'malley in 08 uh they he wouldn't talk about where he was on civil unions, mm-hmm. let alone gay marriage. Now it's just settled, settled right. law. Right, you know, yeah, exactly. If you will. Yeah. Right, so. 
to and, and, you know to to where we started on this, right? Pence hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. Is he? And this was a chance. Every time this comes up, it's another chance for him to state clearly. <clears throat> and you know, I was on Chris Freitz's show on Sirius, um, and we were talking about this, and he made a really good point that it's politicians can by not stating by staying evasive by you know you can you can try to get as many constituencies as possible right mm-hmm. but i uh, this really has the feel of um being stale mm-hmm. at this point years later right um coming got to pick a side yeah. this is not one of those issues where there's a, where there's middle ground it just does not feel that way and i think that's what buddha judges buddha judge knows that yeah and he's and he's prodding him, and I mean, there's no reason for him to stop. I mean, this is this is his version of mm-hmm. low energy Jeb. Okay, right? <laughs> I mean, why not? Right? If it, if it works, right? yeah. No, when does the book come out? We have to wrap up, but yes. I want to make sure that people know where, when to start looking for it. Uh, after Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. After Labor Day, piety and power. Mike Pence and the taking of the White House. Yeah. Tom Lobianco. We will be we will be watching, and we'll Thank be looking you. for uh, for more stuff from you from Thanks, Indiana. Man. Yeah. Thanks for thanks, thanks for coming man. by. <laughs> Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. Anywhere you may be, we're uh, bad. We're, we're nationwide. We're, um, <laughs> joining me to, to wrap up today's show is uh, my friend and colleague Jennifer Shutt, who covers budget appropriations and Queer Eye uh, for for CQ Roll Call. Yes. Uh, I'm can... also the senior Pennsylvania taco correspondent, if you remember. That's right. Yeah, yeah we I, gave I her do. that title last time she was here. That's yeah. right. Senior, I, th- I thought it was senior north central Pennsylvania taco correspondent. I think we expanded <laughs> it to all of Pennsylvania. All of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So that's probably a better that's job a than beat. just north central that's Pennsylvania. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's probably, there's just a bit, there's just a little more ground to cover. Uh, yeah. By the way, I was taunted. Uh, you know, it, it, the the I still get reverberations on social media about talking about the Choco Taco and dessert tacos. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it, people have very strong feelings about it. Uh, and a uh, a friend uh, actually sent me uh, this thing from Dakaya, you know, here in town, the noodle yeah. place, and because they have. Uh, not a not a dessert taco, but an ice cream sandwich, and it's act it's it's a sandwich with bread, but like ice cream, and I was unimpressed. I did not think that that could compete with a dessert taco. It's also right. not a taco, right? It's uh and 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 I I think it was just like this person's way of saying like you know like your choco taco is not even worthy of discussion in a in a in a, in the land. Uh, and I said, well, you know what's going to happen with this sandwich is that people are just going to pick the ice cream up. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to leave the bread there, like the bread with like kind of weird, gross, like ice cream schmutz, you know. I, th- that's an Italian thing of the gelato on a brioche bun. And I just have to say, it is not for me. No. No, no. it is And a brioche is actually a sweet, su- can be sweet. You yeah, know? exactly. And, and it's like, no, it just doesn't work. It's like a potato roll or whatever. But like, I save your bread. I, I got in a little bit of grief when we talked about the Choco Taco last time. Because really? I, 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 From family? I, I agree. Family on the or internet. Just on the uh, internet. The inter- okay, the internet. Uh, because of the internet. Where I am beloved, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about the Choco internet Taco. Internet Pete. That'll be your, yeah, your nickname. Old internet, internet Pete. Old yeah. Internet Pete. <laughs> Uh, I, I the choco taco is is not a taco, right? But it is delicious, right? I mean, let's not 
get it twisted. It's no. a wonderful. It's like that thing dessert. that Alexandra Peach I brought in the waffle with the oh the stroop waffle the, the stroop waffle. Yeah, those aren't really waffles. Well, right, those are cookies. Right, they're cookies, but they're delicious. They're delicious. Did you bring dessert in for me, Jen? Shut, because Alexandra Peach I brought in dessert for us. <laughs> well, yeah, Jen. <laughs> what dessert so, did you bring us? None. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> oh. Well, it's been good, Jen. Good to see you. We'll see what you next time. What dessert did you bring me? <laughs> Come on. Come on, I Pete. woke up and washed my hair this morning <laughs> and applied makeup. And You owe me dessert. And, 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 and. <laughs> She explained everything that happened in Game of Thrones to me in the short period of time. When I the didn't music watch was it yet. Yeah, she's I'm got. Watch it today. She was going to do I'm a big a spoiler alert, and I and I told her that it would it would probably you know you would combust like the Avengers, you know, like second. I'm not Avengers that guy. Reference. I'm no. not that guy. I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be fine if I hear a spoiler. I don't have to. You know, if if when we were making up reasons that Bill's absent today, should oh. should should we have gone? Should I have not gone the Boston Marathon route and gone with that he's binge watching all of Game of Thrones yeah. right now? He's yeah, watching all the, the previous seasons. Yeah, yeah, and then he stayed up late last night. To right, watch the, the new like one. face in the popcorn, you know, balls like ah, <laughs> Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Twitching. <laughs> yeah, I, th- that's going to be a great segment on the show. Someone should come and explain Game of Thrones to Bill. Oh, <gasps> can I do it, please, please, please? I read the books. I would uh, on four twenty. I would. Lo- oh. We're doing oh, actually, that's... our four twenty show is coming up. It's on, but you're going to have to do it on four nineteen though. Probably oh, we're right? taping it. Uh, I believe we're taping it on Wednesday. What? Uh, I mean, look, we'll. We'll celebrate on both days. They're, 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 sometimes they have to edit a few things out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, on the, yeah. <laughs> so they, that's why they do the pre-tape. It's like you know, just just in case. I will say, all the magic is gone. Last, <laughs> yeah, I know. We're pulling back the curtain nice. a little bit. Uh, last year, we actually, I believe, we did tape on actual 420, mm-hmm. and uh, we had someone come in and they did a dab on air, which is the first time that's happened on the bill. Press. I can't imagine Laszlo dabbing. What couldn't have been him? Laszlo did not dab. Okay. Uh, Instagram star phone homie came in and did right. a dab. I don't on know air. this person, but hey, I'm not they, a good are they a social influencer? They are a thinkfluencer uh, on social media. Okay, and basically his entire social media feed is just him doing dabs, okay. videos of him doing dabs and then coughing up a lung. Does that sound like a relatively sustainable career path? Probably, know, probably, yeah, probably sure, more than yeah, us. Yeah, going, I mean, right? yeah, exactly. we're in print journalism, so <laughs> who are we to talk? <laughs> Speaking of which, Jen, <laughs> see that? See what I did there? Uh, it's did it. so much fourth wall breaking, you know. <laughs> uh, so we're in recess. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks of recess. So happy. Um, the, but you know, the, what are? I mean, obviously, we're not totally taking a powder because one, it doesn't make any sense. You 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 take vacation when Congress is in session, and then you like kind of hang out during the recess, right? Have you read our yeah. official rules? <laughs> Yeah. Just, just, just kidding. Uh, official CQ roll call, William Manuel. Um, but, but there are a, there are a couple of things sort of hanging over uh, Congress as they come back, uh, including including the fact that they still have not been able to get together an emergency disaster aid package to 
Florida, Puerto Rico, Nebraska, Kentucky, you it's know, like Georgia. It's like at this right. point in time. It's like, I mean, there's still like, you Almost know, kind like of swamp waters. the climate is changing. <laughs> is it? Is the, 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 the emotional climate? Uh, well, all of the climates. So what, what's the hang up here? I mean, why, why do they, why, why, what is the, the deal that they can't get money to places that are, are still kind of underwater? Of course, my house is almost underwater because of the storms last night. But I mean, that, did that wake anybody else up, by the way? Nope. Oh, my God. I slept like a baby. Yeah, I was just glad to clean the air because uh, I was having some some uh, pollen. Oh uh, yeah, issues it's a thing here. Yeah. Um, so what's the deal? I mean, obviously these communities are in need, and they're both Democrats and Republicans representing them. So you would think like this would grease the skids a little bit. Yeah. So I think the first thing to say is that, you know, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, their disaster relief fund, which is kind of the first on the ground wave of federal assistance, they have plenty of money to kind of respond to this immediately. Um, And so what Congress is talking about now is kind of what to do with some of these sort of midterm and long term recovery funds, particularly community development block grants, which are administered through HUD. Um, and things that are designed to kind of like shore up these communities um, to try to like prevent flooding and prevent roads and bridges washing away during the next. That's a novel concept. Yeah. Prevent the next disaster. Or try to right. maybe not prevent it, but like reduce the amount of damage to these communities because there's obviously certain places in the country that regularly get hit with tornadoes. So why not, you know, try to work with. Um, you know, contractors and, you know, people who understand this to, like, build homes that have, you know, good storm shelters and things like that. That's crazy talk. Yeah. um, So where would the uh, paper towel budget come from? Because that that seems to be, like, you know, really what's what's needed. Yeah, I think the paper towel... Like, getting people paper towels, I think paper towels is FEMA's disaster relief fund, so they've got billions upon billions of dollars. And so one of the things that Congress is trying to sort out right now with this kind of midterm and long-term recovery funding is is sort of who gets it mm-hmm. and where it goes. And so the very general Republican argument is we've already, following the 2017 hurricanes, um, the, particularly the three that really devastated Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Texas and other parts of the Gulf Coast, they did three multi-billion dollar disaster aid packages. Mm-hmm. So the argument that we're hearing from some Republicans right now is like we don't need to give additional aid to Puerto Rico particularly community development block grant aid, because a lot of that is sort of in the pipeline, which is a whole other part of this that we could get into for probably hours. Ooh. Yes. Like, uh, like I mean, never mind Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> <laughs> Community development block grants in the weeds with Jen Chet. Starring Brock Long. Actually, he's not there anymore. No, this, he's this, gone. Like the, the, and the, that's the, FEMA. Yeah, the best-named like, cabinet guy. Yeah. Yeah. Brock Long. He'll have a great yeah. career in, uh, you know, making pornos after right. that with a name like that. Do they, I don't even think they, that's a thing anymore, right? Uh, you, know, you know what? That's a very dated reference. Right. They don't do that anymore. No. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> very weird segues happening yeah. this morning. Yeah, sorry, back, sorry. Back, back, to, back, back to where's the money? <laughs> Yeah. But we're, we're... So Republicans put forward a $13.45 billion package mm-hmm. that had $600 million for nutrition assistance to Puerto Rico. And they right. said that's really is because Trump has to sign this unless you're going to have a veto override scenario. And with disaster aid, you're probably not going to have one of those situations. Right. Um, 
And so Republicans put forward that legislation. Democrats said it wasn't enough to help Puerto Rico. Republicans are saying, you know, Puerto Rico really doesn't need this much additional funding. We don't because need to Because Jose them Andres more. went down there and fed an island. He wrote a book about it. Right? Yeah. Is that the argument that is being Not trotted out? really. Not really? Okay. Yeah. And then so Democrats have put forward a series of counterproposals with additional aid to Puerto Rico, including a provision that says that those multi-billions of dollars that HUD is kind of not drawn down to Puerto Rico for lots of different reasons. Like, that okay. has to go to Puerto Rico quickly. Okay. Um, and then, so Democrats most recently in the House introduced a $17.2 billion version. Um, so everyone's just, I think there's like four or five disaster aid bills that mm-hmm. have been released since, you know, this Congress started for how to address all these storms. And everyone just seems to be constantly circling back to the issue of Puerto Rico and right. how... The parties in a bipartisan way want to get additional funding to Puerto Rico or maybe just try to work with HUD to figure out what exactly is going on um, with the previously allocated community development block grants funding. And somebody like Rick Scott, who's the you know the newly elected senator from uh, Florida and a Republican and a two-term governor yeah. from Florida, he's got to be aware that there are a lot of Puerto Ricans in Florida now. And they all yeah. can vote. So yeah. where is where does somebody like him come down on this? Because, I mean, that that puts I mean, he doesn't obviously have to run for reelection anytime soon. But the president's running in 2020. Uh, I mean, it's kind of an important state. It's kind of an important state. Uh, and so wh- but what where does somebody like Rick Scott or does it or does he just sort of keep a low profile right now and let like Mitch McConnell, you know, sort of take the lead for the for the Senate Republicans on this. Yeah. So before or actually after uh, both chambers of Congress left um, on Thursday, they took their final votes. Uh, Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby and Senator Scott and Senator Ernst from Iowa, they all went to the White House for a meeting with President Trump about this disaster mm-hmm. aid package. It was kind of a last minute thing. We weren't it wasn't on the official schedule that was released the night before. We didn't really hear about it much until late morning. Mm-hmm. And so it sounded like there was some kind of workings behind the scenes where the gears started to turn between Democrats and Republicans about how to get to some type of bipartisan agreement with respect to this whole disaster aid package, mm-hmm. which will probably be somewhere between like 12 and 17 billion at the end of the day. Right. Um, but nothing really came out of that. And so we're, we're, the staff level negotiations are continuing, but since it's a two-week congressional recess, they're on CODELs out of the country, they're back in their home states doing town halls. Um, I mean, Shelby and Leahy are pretty, the top you know, appropriators Pat in the Leahy, Senate. Yes. The, the, yeah. the, the Vermont senator who's not Bernie Sanders. Correct. So. <laughs> you know, their ability to like pick up the phone is probably pretty good. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, have any competitive races coming up or anything like that. And so, you know, in terms of, you know, if the staff could come up with something, then it gets kicked up to the the appropriations, right. you know, leadership, and then it gets kicked up to congressional leadership. And if they all sign off on it, it's probably a situation where Mitch McConnell needs to pick up the phone and call Trump at the White House and say, like, this is the best we're going to get. We need to do this. Right. And he himself is up for re-election, Mitch yes. McConnell. And Kentucky is one of the states that would be affected here. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't have... Um, an opponent yet <laughs> uh, on the Democratic side, but uh, but this you know the, the the politics of it can be tricky. Yeah. So. On another topic, uh, the 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 right before the so the Democrats spent most of their week in Leesburg, Virginia, at their their retreat, their the House Democrats that that is uh, at the before they left on Wednesday, they were actually supposed to vote on a 
uh, on a little on uh, careful uh, here uh, uh, on something that there would raise. Yeah. <laughs> it was not is not the budget resolution. I've not right? gone on like no, several no. Twitter rants about this. Or um, that and you do not. You, yeah, I mean. I mean, it, it it would be like a cassaway, you know. Right? That, that's I'm, how you no, say it's it. It's just yeah. me like yelling yeah. at a volleyball yeah. at this point. No one cares about terminology. Oh, nice, nice reference to uh, castaway. Yeah, thank you. Oh wow, Wilson. Do, do you call it Wilson? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the the it's not a budget resolution they were going to vote on. They were going to vote on legislation to raise the the budget caps that were instituted as part of the 2011 Budget Control Act. Yes. So they need to do this in order to spend more money, which is what what they they like to do. However, not necessary, not well, technically. Well, kind of, sorta. Well. So in yes, they they used what is uh, I love I love pulling this out. They they used a self-executing rule uh, the previous day they to deemed. deem to deem spending levels at the levels that they want, so they can write these spending bills. Love procedural at, tactics yeah, at the level that they want, but eventually they will need to change statute to raise these caps correct in some way or another they have bought themselves some time so it was not like this do or die situation but they the democrats didn't feel like they had the votes or it was uncomfortably close they did have the votes they did not oh they did not have the votes okay according to congressman from jayapal uh premier uh, jayapal who's the co-chair of the congressional progressive caucus uh she's a washington democrat um, so they they pulled this this legislation, and again, it's not they nothing's going to happen for months. And Congress is awesome at procrastinating, even better than me. Um, but they they didn't have the votes, and like there there's a little bit. We Peter, we have a clip of of uh, the the speaker talking about you know the some of the different uh, sort of uh, um, divisions in her caucus on uh, sixty from sixty minutes last night. You have these wings. AOC and her group on one side. Well, it's like five people. No, it's the progressive group. It's more than well, five. I'm a progressive, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Speaker of the House throwing a little shade on 60 Minutes, like taking Leslie Stahl oh, back. It's like five people. It's like five people, whatever. Um, but, I mean, these divisions are real. And, the yes, AOC and her... Her crew. I mean, that is about five people. But like the Congressional Progressive Caucus is more than fifty people. And if you lose seventeen, uh, yeah, right? seventeen of them, yeah, yeah. Th- then you can't pass anything unless you get Republicans, and that's probably not going to happen yeah. uh, on these things. So, and also, if you're a Republican, even if you do know that you need to raise the caps, which they they do because they like to spend money as much as anybody, just they just like to spend it on different things, and Democrats do. Um, why would you help out your enemy? Let them twist in the wind. Let them figure out, uh, you know, like the, the the politics of this, because this is what the Republicans had to deal with the Tea Party a lot uh, for years, that they couldn't like pass anything without having to go hat in hand to the Democrats. And Nancy Pelosi would be like, oh, you want my help? All right. <laughs> it's- I mean, to quote Mitch McConnell, congratulations, Madam Speaker, you have a Freedom Caucus. Right. Yeah. Very similar tactics. Yeah. I mean, that that probably bought Mitch McConnell ten more years of life just being able to point that out. I mean, oh, like, th- these yeah. are the things that animate him, <laughs> right? Power and dividing Democrats, yeah, <laughs> and getting Supreme Court and holding Supreme Court, you know, seats almost as good as filling them with your own guys. I mean, this is the stuff that Mitch McConnell like loves. I, I love I love these people who think like, oh, McConnell's tired. He's he's probably not going to run for election. I'm like, <laughs> no. please. Like, what else does Absolutely. he have to do? Yeah. Go back well. to Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> 
that's not going to happen. He lives here. He's lived here for 40 years. He's not going back to Louisville, except for, like, well, basketball the, games. And the horses, right? That's right, up. right. The, the Kentucky Derby, yeah. That thing with the hats. How much, Peter, how much would you give to see Mitch McConnell in the infield? Oh, man. <laughs> Wowee. Uh, I'm not a horse racing guy. Uh, I, I have gone to a horse race once. Uh, and this is a southerner. I know. I think horse racing is cruel. I, th- it is. I think horse racing is very, very cruel. And I, I, I don't as cruel as boxing? Yeah. No, I think boxing is also barbaric and cruel mm. and all the MMA stuff that people do. But Journalism? Uh, uh, journalism also? also very cruel. And Can we rank these? <laughs> yeah. We need a list. Uh, I did go to one uh, horse racing thing, and, and I, I got it. I got it. You dress fancy and you get blackout drunk. That's the appeal. Well, also that was in, gambling. That was in the stands. Like well, I, so I. Oh no, I was in the infield for okay. for the Carolina Cup one time, okay. and it's okay. basically the same thing. <laughs> so, I will betray my 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 own roots. I mean, my my grandparents on my dad's side love to play the ponies. This is apparently how they put my uh, the ponies. Yeah, this is apparently how they they put their kids through college. I think in a certain to a certain degree. <laughs> Neither one of them had a college degree, uh, but they both like <laughs> well. to gamble, uh, and and also they you know grew up in relatively cheap times, but. You know, putting kids through college right after World War II. Sort of like, eh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, but no, the, but the apocryphal tales of my family are that they did play the ponies a lot. So I've been to a few horse um, horse races like out west, and a few years back, before they banned bring your own beer at the Preakness, I, I went to the Preakness in the infield. And what you're describing as far as funny hats, that was definitely the the stand, the grandstand, and so forth. That was not the infield. The infield at the Preakness gets rowdy. Uh, there, so the um, the running of the urinals. I don't know. I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, the, the, where like this, they they used to get up. People used to jump up on top of the urinals because they were they had urinals in a row, and 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 then people would hurl beers at them, and they yeah. kind of nail is, people. Which gender is doing this? Just <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. I was about to say this is not. So a, I, yeah. I, I yeah. yeah the the it's most not the women most of the depravity is on the male side. Although yeah. there was that's no, a general blanket no, statement. Right, right. There was not a yes. shortage, though, of uh, skeeviness in both sides, though. I mean, that, and that, and I think that's what happens when you put like a hundred and twenty-five thousand people in a yeah. big muddy pit and give them alcohol. It's depraved. Yes, <laughs> everything about it is completely Undignified. depraved and soulless. Well, and I didn't, I didn't know what to expect either. And again, I, I went the one time, and and you could still bring your own beer, right? And like the. Because you got to bring your own beer to throw at people when they're right, running on right, top of the urinals. You, know, you can't do this yeah. anymore, by yeah, the way. It's all about folks. decorum. Uh, and I and I was just like watching fights break out and people throw stuff at each other and you know just all these like kind of like uh, behavior that was just like even for me like was like whoa. And and I was up up against the fence near the gates and there was these there were these cops these Baltimore City cops who were probably you know. Getting getting paid double for that, or I, I hope they were hazard pay uh, for sure. And I just leaned over at this guy after this fight had taken place, like right, kind of right in front of them, and somebody had been dragged out, you know, uh, out of the infield, and you know, bloodied and so forth. And I just asked this guy, this cop, I was like, "So what's the rules of engagement for you guys? Like, because there's like thirty to fifty of you, and there are a hundred and some odd thousand people here, all drunk." And he's like, "Without even skipping a beat, he's like, as long as nobody dies." 
good part of half. Yeah, as long as nobody uh, dies. Excellent. So, so I think that I think that there's a little uh, things are a little different with the the Preakness and so forth. But anyway, that, that was that was Mitch McConnell. You know, like I, I mean, he he was at the Preakness that day. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Oh, he was, and that's how you met Mitch no. McConnell, bloodied no. and being dragged out of a mud pit. <laughs> uh, I do, I do not think that anybody, uh, any anybody at all, should really have gone into the uh, into the uh, preakness in in that sort of setting. Uh, so, Jen, what are you looking for? We only have a couple minutes left uh, before we wrap up. What are you? Lo- what are the, some of the stories that you're looking for? Like in in this, you know, what kind of movement or what what are you observing in these these two weeks where we have like. You know, at least in Washington, nobody's declaring president here, <laughs> so that's one like storyline we don't have to worry about. Um, what What are you looking for as a as a reporter for your beat? Really, just these staff level negotiations on the disaster aid bill, mm-hmm. whether or not they can kind of get to some type of preliminary agreement that then mm-hmm. gets started. It starts to like sort of go up the ladder, if you will, to lawmakers, congressional leadership, in the White House, and if they can actually get some type of bipartisan agreement on that. What does that say for the rest of the year, right? That's one of the things that I'm kind of looking at because in divided government, really, you're not going to get some comprehensive immigration reform proposal. That's just really unlikely. We may get like... Oh, Lindsey Graham thinks it's going to happen. Okay. (laughs) We may get some, um, you know, smaller infrastructure bills through... Um, is it Infrastructure Week again? It's always Infrastructure Week. That's right. But one of the things that they have to do is they have to fund the government, right? right. And so they cor- eventually the appropriations, the four corners of the Appro- appropriations committee were able to do that to end the shutdown, and that was a really good sign. But now right. everyone is kind of back to fighting about disaster aid, which is a traditionally very bipartisan exercise. Mm-hmm. And so if they cannot get agreement on that, that's not a very good signal for spending caps. Or even getting Trump to sign one of those stopgap spending bills, which is inevitable when we hit the new fiscal year on October 1st. And if he doesn't, if Trump doesn't sign a continuing resolution and eventually some type of package to fund the government for the rest of the fiscal year, you get a shutdown again. Does anybody want that? I don't know. I mean, you remember he might. <laughs> I personally don't. There's a lot of time between now and October 1st. So we'll. We will be we'll be watching uh, in the meantime. So, Jen, thank you so much for spending part of your morning with us and getting up early and washing your washing hair, as you my said. Hair is a makeup. huge sacrifice. So and, you're and, welcome. And and good luck in the shopping for Choco Tacos. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And thank you for joining this us today. Is the Bill Press Show.